So first I want to test the mic to see if those of you back there can hear me, or is it too loud? Can you hear me? Okay, good. I noticed when I was in long retreats that I didn't need much sleep, that I could sleep, you know, four hours or less every evening. But it takes time to get to that point, really. And uh, one time I went to uh, Manindraji, one of my teachers, one of my first teachers, and I asked him, why? Why is it that way? I feel so refreshed. You know, I don't need much sleep. One time for a long time, you know, for more than a week, almost two weeks, the mind was just awake, couldn't go to sleep. So I just practiced. I just kept practicing. And he said, generally, we need sleep because we're reacting a lot. We think too much, basically. We're, something happens in the outer circumstances of the world, and we have a reactivity to that of greed or hatred, or we don't know what's going on, confusion. And all of those drain our energy. It takes a lot of energy to react. The mind is constantly pushing away, closing down in fear, uh, holding on what it likes, striking out at what it doesn't like. And when we're in a retreat like this, if we take more time, we see that the mind quiets down much, much more. And it's generally more refreshed, generally more awake. On my desktop at home, on my computer, I have this reminder to help me to just relax the mind, to open the heart, to just be at ease with how things are. And this is something that comes from uh, Nyosho Ken Rinpoche. It's beautiful set to music and all of that. Please don't ask me where I got it because somebody sent it to me. So... um, he says like this, uh, Rest in natural great peace. This exhausted mind, beaten helplessly by karma and neurotic thoughts, like the relentless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara. Like the relentless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara. And that's how it feels to live in this life. Things come to our attention and we naturally have our own opinion, our own idea, our own way that we close down because it's too hard to take in. We push away because we don't like it. We grab onto it if it's pleasant. And the mind is constantly running away from the unpleasant, running towards the pleasant, This is what is called samsara, this constant running, this constant movement, because it's very difficult to open just to the present moment. In order to rest in this natural great peace, we need a lot of equanimity. It's said that naturally, very naturally, when we uh, cultivate mindfulness, this vipassana that we're doing, Quite naturally, equanimity is developed, even when we don't do this practice of the Brahma-vihara 
to rest the mind before it falls into extremes. But very naturally, it's developed because it's a wholesome state of mind. Equanimity is a wholesome state of mind. And it's drawn to other wholesome states of mind. Mindfulness uh, is a wholesome state of mind, this practice that we're doing. So wholesome states of mind attract other wholesome states of mind. Unwholesome states of mind attract other wholesome states of mind. Manindra used to say to me, when mindfulness is there, all the beautiful qualities of the mind come nearby because like attracts like. This is how it is. He would say, this is the law. (laughs) This is how it is. It makes me want to put my hands up, you know. (laughs) This is the law. This is how it is. And uh, just surrender to it. The more you develop the wholesome states, then the more other wholesome states come into view for you, support you. So just by naturally doing the uh, mindfulness practice, this uh, equanimity is coming to us. And that's why we're able to more and more just rest the mind. So the aim of equanimity is to rest the mind before it falls into extremes. And these extremes are the far enemy called uh, reactivity in two parts. Reactivity is attachment in all of its various forms and aversion in all of its various forms. We rest the mind before it falls into extremes when the mind is opening to some outer circumstance, some outer circumstance in our family, in our neighborhood, in our society, sometimes it's the world at large, that uh, we know will trigger us. Sometimes we don't know what's going to trigger us, but we see something, we hear something, we read about something, and right away it triggers something within us. So we develop, we do our best in our practice here. We rehearse in a way, rehearse to develop equanimity in relationship to those outer circumstances. And so in the practice that we do here, we offer you possibilities as we go through the different individuals and the circumstances that occur in their life that we may be triggered by, the way they live their life, the way it is for them just generally, a particular uh, way that they, they act in life that kind of really gets us, that really makes us unhappy or makes us so happy, you know, that we're we kind of bouncing off the roof and we're in too much happiness and we can't calm down. So we watch out for these things and we kind of allow our minds to ponder on them so that perhaps when we meet that experience again, we've got some practice behind us. We might remember the words that we used here in the hall during the time of your practice here. We might remember the words of all beings have their own journey or this is how it is for this person. Just bringing some wisdom into the situation so that we can rest the mind before it falls into extremes. But if we have already been triggered 
by some outer circumstance. And we know that the main thing that's happening is the reactivity that's going on in our own hearts. And really that's at the core of everything. Then we take uh, a second look. We go to a deeper level. We turn our attention right there to our hearts, to the very place that's reacting to whatever degree it is. Or maybe it isn't reacting. Maybe we turn our attention to our hearts and it feels calm. It actually feels in a great deal of neutrality. So then we can also recognize this is the way it is in my own heart and recognize very clearly it's not reacting. It's really important to notice the non-reactivity as well, to notice that wholesome state of mind, the equanimity that's already developed. So this is our practice to turn the mind to some circumstance outward in the outer circumstance of our life. And maybe that, that isn't pulling you. So before I ask you to go to your own heart, you can just go ahead and go there and develop equanimity right there in relationship to what your heart is doing in that moment. So you don't have to wait for me to give you a signal. Sometimes there's not so much that's brought up when you think of somebody in your family or a benefactor. Uh, you're, you're more working on what's going on in your own heart. So I'll guide you again in, in the practice and we'll just see how it goes. Sometimes we can't um, sort it out in the beginning. It, it can sound complicated to a yogi mind. There is such a thing called yogi mind in practice. Things can seem very complicated when we're at the preconceptual level over and over again. So please establish your posture and please uh, take a posture of dignity. A a posture that you're really paying attention, not a casual posture. We want to be relaxed, but we want to be respectful at the same time. If you're feeling there's pain in the body, please go ahead and move. Just move carefully, mindfully. So we let our attention come to the area around the body first. It's really helpful to ground the attention. And let the sensations of the body be known. As the breath comes in and out of the body, Let those sensations be known. And then turning your attention to the heart center. Remembering that the quality of equanimity really comes from a place of goodwill not from a place of 
being distance or not feeling what's going on, but really connecting as goodwill does. So we begin as usual with a neutral person. Because with this neutral person, we may get a sense of what equanimity is, how that's experienced. We don't have much reactivity to a neutral person. So call to mind this person. You can remember someone that you've already worked with, a neutral person. Having a clear sense of who it is. And with this person, what we reflect upon is the fact that all beings have joy and sorrow. They have their own journey according to their karma. All beings experience these eight vicissitudes of life. Gain and loss, joy and sorrow, praise and blame, fame and disrepute. Just like ourselves and other beings, so too this being. So we rest in the statement of truth that all beings experience joy and sorrow, gain and loss. This is how it is. Then let your mind rest around that. Allowing your heart to Soften and expand if it can. On your next out-breath, see if you can have a very complete out-breath so that your shoulders relax, your heart relaxes. All beings have their own journey.
And then now look at your own heart. Tuning in more carefully, more specifically. Putting that person aside. And noticing how it is for you in your own heart. Just noticing whatever neutral feeling there may be. Or maybe it's indifference. Not really making a connection. It's just to notice truthfully whatever is going on. This is how it is in my own heart right now. No need to figure it out. Just noticing. This is how it is right now. And then we move on to the next individual, a dear friend or a family member, a loved one. You might choose someone whose circumstance or situation brings some concern to you, to your heart. Not overwhelmingly so. Or perhaps you choose someone that you'd like to be more equanimous around. Have a sense of who it is. And with this person, we reflect on how it is in their lives, the particular situation, how they comport themselves. So this is where you're allowed to think about it. It's okay to think, to reflect. And with the equanimity practice, just seeing if we can accept how it is with them right now, whatever situation they're in, however they are in their lives, how they handle themselves in their lives.
This is how it is for you right now in your life. Many causes and conditions come together to create this situation in your life. This is how it is right now. All beings have their own journey according to their karma, to the causes and conditions arising. And when you're ready, turn your attention more specifically to your own heart. Notice what it feels like in your own heart in relationship to that person, to their situation. Is there sadness? wanting it to be different, resentment, gratitude. Ill will, just notice. And use an equanimity phrase that helps you to relax your heart. This is how it is for me right now. May my heart open to this or with this. with more balance and care.
May I accept the ups and downs of my heart with equanimity. When the words are no more, just breathing in and out peacefully. with spacious attention. Resting the mind, resting the heart. Continuing on with this person or choosing another loved one, another friend, family member. Have a sense of who it is. Again, choosing someone where there might be a situation in this person's life that causes you some concern. And then remember that, whatever it is, that situation, some details about it, the way they are in their life with that situation. All beings are owners of their actions, heirs to their actions, their happiness or unhappiness depends on their actions, not upon my wishes. This is the natural unfolding of your life right now. May I accept how it is in your life right now. Use your own words. 
or simply relaxing your heart. This is how it is right now for you. And when you're ready, noticing your own heart's response more specifically, is there some worry or denial, some closing down? sense of neutrality, equanimity, noticing how it is, naming it if it makes it more clear. into how it is in my own heart. May my heart be at ease with all the conditions around me. May my heart be at ease. Find your way with words or without words. Then moving on to a benefactor. It could be an elder, possibly someone who's going through some 
difficult health experiences. or end-of-life experiences. Connecting with someone who has benefited you. And then opening to a part of their life that you may have some concern about or that causes your heart to quiver in some way. Let yourself reflect on that. Remembering them in that situation. I accept how it is for you. All beings have their own journey. May my heart open to your journey with balance and ease. Find your way with words, without words. Relax your heart.
just being present with their journey can bring your heart to equanimity. And if you haven't done so already, turn your attention to what your heart feels in relationship to this person. Is there joy or sorrow in your own heart? Notice how it is. Name it if it helps you to be more clear. And then attending to your own heart with equanimity. open to how it is, with balance and ease and clarity. Use the words that help you. May I hold this fear or whatever it may be in great spacious balance. Just breathing in and out. 
quietly when there are no more words. Seeing if you can let go completely on a quiet out-breath. Relaxing the heart. Now moving on to a person we're having difficulty with. This is someone with whom we obviously have some reactivity towards. Be sure to choose someone that's not going to overwhelm you completely. Have a sense of who it is. And you may already feel the reactivity in your own heart. that's the case, turn your attention there right away. Or perhaps you turn your attention to that person and how it is for them. I open to how it is for you with balance. With a spacious heart. May I open to how it is for you All beings are owners of their actions, heirs to their actions. No matter how I wish things to be otherwise, this is how it is right now. Taking time to relax your heart, spacious, 
balance, heart. In relationship to this person, the situation around this person, And then if you haven't done so already, tune in to your own heart more precisely. What happens there in reactivity to this person? You can name what's happening silently. Does your heart feel closed down or tight? Pushing away, distancing. Okayness. Take a look. May my heart be at ease with all the conditions of my life. This is part of my journey. Accept that with balance, with a spacious heart. Relaxing the heart and the mind when there are no more words. See if you can envision the space around your heart to be very big. Let your heart open to that boundaryless spaciousness.
And lastly, we turn the attention to our own lives, to oneself. And here we reflect upon something going on in our own lives. If you can, open to perhaps a health situation in your life or someone near you in your family. Perhaps it's something financial or some general stress around your job, your employment, your school. In this case, we're reflecting on the particular circumstance we find ourselves in. That may cause us some concern. So we're opening to a bigger circumstance in our life, not just our own hearts. Have a sense of what you're reflecting on. Let yourself open to it, directly connecting with it. Seeing if you can relax the heart and let down any barriers that are present to totally accepting how it is. This is how it is in my life right now, this particular circumstance with health, with finances, whatever stress there may be, this is how it is right now. Just opening to the bigger picture. May I accept how it is right now. This is part of my journey. Pain and pleasure arise and pass away. Accepting 
with balance, spacious heart. Let your heart open as big as it needs to. Just contain all that is happening. It's okay to open to it with balance and ease as much as we can. Now turning to your own heart more precisely and see if you can connect with that place that's kind of holding back a little bit. Keeping your heart closed out of fear. out of attachment or aversion. It's relaxing the heart with equanimity. This is how it is in my own heart. May I recognize the truth of how it is in my own heart. May I open to the truth of how it is right now. Just acknowledging what may be there. May be huge. It may be very small, imperceptible, relaxing around it. (coughs) Letting go of any holding or tension around it. Confusion, doubt, resistance. May I open to how it is. This is part of my journey. And continuing to hold oneself in this field of equanimity. And offering oneself loving kindness, goodwill. Just moving into 
the metta practice. May I be safe and protected from all harm. Opening to my life just as it is, moment to moment. May I be peaceful and happy. May I care for myself with great balance and ease. Do you have any questions today about your practice? Yes. Um, my question is about working with grief. Uh huh. Um, two weeks ago, I lost somebody that I loved very much. Mm. And I'm experiencing the sadness as it arises and passes away. Um, at, at times, I feel tearful and I allow it to be there and mm-hmm. um, just see it for what it is. Um, and I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about grief. A little bit about grief, and she mentioned that she just allows the grief to come and go, the tears to come and go, and face it just as it is. It, it does sound like you're doing the right thing, yeah, not holding anything back, uh, letting whatever comes up to come up, not needing to lean into it, but not pushing it back either, just finding the middle path of allowing it to be, because grief is um, just a very natural response to loss in life. And we don't want to be so equanimous that we're not letting that those feelings come up from the heart and how the body feels shaken by it sometimes. So honoring whatever that is, respecting whatever that is. But again, just understanding it and knowing it from a place of uh, as much balance as we can find during the time. And sometimes we won't be in balance. You know, we'll feel like it just really overwhelms us. And that's how it is too. It's just how it is too. Accepting, you know, even when we go into some place that we might not normally go to to that kind of overwhelm. It's just how it is. And so this equanimity helps us with 
the reactivity part too. That's what the second part of the practice is all about. Just when we find ourselves there, letting it be okay. It's, it's okay to have all these feelings that we have. Is it worthwhile to skip all the other people? It is better to. I mean, when we when you go home, you might you know have a, a certain amount of time, and you you might not want to go through every single individual. But start out with somebody that's easier for you first, if you can, if if you're not you know too ready to go there, because it's always helpful to practice to practice equanimity before you can before you go to something that might really overwhelm you. Yeah. But when you go home you don't need to do this progression. You know this just kind of gives us the full view. Yeah. One of our friends and colleagues um, says that the whole of life is uh, a grieving process because we're always letting go of something. You know, we're, there's loss throughout our life. This process that we're doing, uh, that we're opening to, and we're learning how to face with the qualities of mindfulness and with uh, loving kindness, with equanimity, really helps us through this grieving process of life. And it's not just letting go of loved ones and of things that are near and dear to us in terms of material things or, or people, but it's, it's also letting go of little pleasures that we have, enjoying them when they're there, but when they leave, just not holding on, because as one of our yogi friends says, it's like holding on to a rope that's always moving. And you get rope burn. It's really, it's, it's very painful to hold on tightly. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to bypass the words and just go to a visual sense? Definitely so. It, yeah, that's why I said just if you if you don't have any words, just sense spaciousness like that, or just you know how we've learned through the years and through other modalities, just breathe with what's going on, and just breathing around it, relaxing around it. Is, a, is our way of saying without words, okay, may I accept this just as it is. That's, that's what that is doing, really. I was working with my grandmother, who was 96. Uh-huh. And so she's, you know, she's, she can't see anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, she can move just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The state. Yes. Um, is it okay to? I, I found what was coming up visually for me naturally was, um, and maybe this is going against the practice. Um, I, I saw her walking in an easeful state. Uh huh. And, and younger, but so I don't know if that was. But I didn't really feel like I was resisting 
like or like I was trying to get rid of. It was just kind of like a natural visualization that came in <clears throat> as like a uh, symbol of quantity. Mm -hmm. So uh, remembering his grandmother that's 96 years old and she can't see anymore and can't walk, right? Barely, barely. barely can walk. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And so there was a envisioning of her walking and um, just having a natural ease and grace about that. It, is that still practicing equanimity? If it's if it's just sort of something that comes up naturally, um, you have to be careful around that because it's like you might want it to be that way, and you're not really seeing that wanting in the mind. But if it comes naturally and you see that in your own heart, what I would do then is just turn the attention to what you're noticing in your own heart. And this is how it is in my own heart right now in relationship to your grandmother. Yeah. So there, just bring okayness to that visualization that naturally came up without, again, you know, without denying that, be, being in denial of that or making it wrong in any way. It's just, okay, this is what we see about, in my own heart, about grandmother. We just, we want to develop a sense of uh, being okay with whatever comes up in the heart and out there. But being okay doesn't mean that we condone that's, if somebody's acting in a way that's harmful. It doesn't mean that we condone it. It's just opening around it with some balance, some spaciousness, some clarity. So if we need to do something about it, we can. So when I use the word, may I accept things as they are, it doesn't mean condoning things. I, I want to make that clear. Yeah. Uh-huh. Losses of ideas. Losses of ideas. Ideas are how I thought it was going to be, or, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of grief around that. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in that, in your meditation, being, feeling really neutral, and I, I was surprised at that because, um, so, so I'm, I'm confused, is what I'm trying to say. And I know with the meta practice, I, can, I do meta for other people all the time when I meditate. Mm -hmm. But when I do it for myself, it's when I'm really in a, in a very um, grievous situation for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. So I, I do a lot of meta just for myself. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's very helpful. So I guess I'm wondering with the equanimity um, practice. Mm. But so doing the meta practice is just sort of a, a way of, of gradually moving toward a more, um, a more balanced position in whatever it is. So for example, with, with the idea that I, having lost opportunities in life that I really root, I really grieve. Uh-huh. Um, and so that you use the equanimity practice 
practice just to, to gradually be, to deal with that so that hopefully it becomes more balanced. Yes, right. So the aim is to have more balance around those losses that we were grieving. Yeah. And then uh, also bringing the metta practice in, we connect our hearts to that. It's not just a dry, okay, that's it, you know, it's gone. But it's more, this is how it is, with a full-heartedness around it. A full heart around it. So remember that equanimity means balance. And that, that will help you. I think that's a key word. for. I was trying to connect the dots and everything you were saying. Um, so I'm not sure I'm getting you exactly right. But I think the key thing uh, to, to address right here is that the balance in equanimity will also help you in your metta practice because your heart will stay open no matter what's going on. Your heart will stay open with some balance no matter what's going on. And that will help you go deeper in your metta practice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. One last thing right here. Well, I was pointing at her, but I'll get to you next. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, It's okay because it is, because we do, we do get lost, uh, and, we, and we do ask you to reflect, to think about it. So uh, as I had uh, guided you in the practice, I said, if you need to start with yourself first, it's okay, because that's what's predominant in that moment, what's going on in your own heart, the anger. You can bring your attention there first. Yeah, and then you can open to the situation, possibly with more equanimity. Yeah, sure. Um, so just knowing that too. Are you? So sometimes anger comes and kind of. I'm just thinking about myself now. I don't know if this is you. I don't want to be angry because I'm embarrassed to be angry, or I think I shouldn't be angry, or it hurts to be angry. So all those little permutations, just notice, noticing that. May I open to my heart to all the, you know, the ways that anger is felt with equanimity. May I open to it with equanimity. Yeah. And one last thing here. Well, fortunately, um, she almost took the words out of my own mouth, so 
got two birds with one stone. Okay. That's <laughs> one small part of it. Uh-huh. Uh, if you notice ill will or anger at the difficult person, uh-huh. uh, would an appropriate thing to do to be to deliver a rapid burst of meta? <laughs> That's not a bad idea, if you notice the anger to do a rapid burst of metta. <laughs> Sometimes that can just get you into equanimity right away. So, you know, really, whatever works. And, and uh, instead of getting two birds with one stone, I like to say feeding two birds with one seed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we stay in the precepts then. <laughs> I think that's all for today, and I, I really appreciate your uh, doing the practice and hope that it's helpful to you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.